0: and talk to some of the greatest collectors in the hobby. You won't be hearing us talk about any chrome or shiny cards here. Now, to take you on this retrospective journey, here's your host, direct from the shallow end of the gene pool, my son, Mike Moynihan. If you've been in the hobby for more than a day, then you know how fast the sports card market moves. There are no more options than ever to buy, sell, and research your cards. One of the most frustrating hurdles in the hobby is the fees when selling your cards. You know, those other popular marketplaces, the ones with their average seller transaction fee of 10%, the ones that don't have the seller's interest in mind. Wait, what? Who would do that? Well, hold on to your horses. No not those horses. Welcome to The Card Flip, a place where we want to provide a simple alternative to buying and selling cards. No clutter, just you, graded cards, sealed wax, and the easiest of transactions. So what do you say? Are you in? Great! Welcome to The Card Flip, the seller's marketplace. Yo and hello everybody, Mike Moynihan here, and welcome to another episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard podcast. I'm your host today. We're going to go solo to the update on the set build that I was working on. Started doing a vintage set. I'm going to go through some of the particulars, some of the numbers, some things I learned, what I liked, what I didn't like, all kinds of stuff that maybe will help you if you decide you want to partake in one of these endeavors of building a vintage set. But first, I want to say um, what a great Week I have coming up for those of you that follow me on YouTube and see my videos. You know, I've been talking pretty much in every video about the Dallas Card Show that's coming up this weekend. And for you podcast listeners only, I'm that's coming up uh, this upcoming weekend. The Dallas Show has become kind of the show to go to, certainly recently, and lots of people come from all over. This weekend's no different. I've got friends flying in from all over the country that I'm going to get to hang out with some of which are staying with me. I'm picking people up at the airport, you name it. It's going to be great. And a really just nonstop fun weekend of cardboard. And I just love that part of it. I love being able to see people and because it's fun to share the hobby, right? I mean, if you just sit in a dark hole and do it all by yourself, that's not nearly as much fun. And to that end, I wanted to give, especially my podcast listeners, people on YouTube write comments and kind of let me know what they're thinking. But I, I think what I want my next episode to be is kind of a Q&A session with comments from both the YouTube video and podcast listeners. And I want to kind of combine those into a Q&A session about anything vintage. And I'd love to hear from everyone, you know, questions that you might have for me on vintage things you want to ask about my collection, things you want to ask about me, you name it, nothing's off the table. Everything is fair game. So I invite you to please send me some questions. And the way you can do that on YouTube is obviously, like I said, leave a comment. But if you're a podcaster only go to my Instagram, which is at baseball collector, Mike, again, at baseball collector, Mike on Instagram. And leave me uh or send me a message there you know follow my deal and and shoot me a message and a question and i will put all those together and kind of do this q and a session from viewers like you as they say listeners like you i i really just think that would be fun and i'd love to do that and so again check it out on you know check go to instagram do that and uh yeah that's what we'll do so back to the uh, topic du jour today, which is going to be this project that I launched on March 25th of this year. I did an episode of the Golden Age of Cardboard where I said I'm gonna I'm gonna do a vintage set. I was really frustrated with the state of the hobby and trying to find stuff for other projects. And I was like, well, What could I do that I think I'd really enjoy that would be e- relatively easy to do? you know, kind of low cost and just fun, something different for me. And that was putting together a vintage set. I'd never, never done it before. Uh, Hand correlated sets back in the eighties, you know, during the junk wax era, like most people, as I opened box after box after box off the uh, pallets from Sam's. But at the same time, that's, I don't know, that doesn't feel the same to me as it does putting together a vintage set, kind of hand correlating that, so to speak and i had a couple of goals when i went into that i said all right look i want to do this in a certain time frame i gave myself until the national to finish it and i also kind of gave myself a budget of about a thousand dollars i wanted to spend around two dollars per card for all the cards that i needed and i got a lot of comments from people basically saying That's either overly ambitious in terms of the cost, or, you know, hey, I've been working on a certain set for five years and whatnot. And I'm like, man, what have I gotten myself into? I'm thinking this is going to take me forever because I didn't, again, know what I was getting into. As I got started with it, again, March 25th, I probably didn't make my first purchase till a few days later. Um, Now, one of the huge huge gigantic advantage that I had was I already had all of the hall of famers in the set not only their base cards but if they were on a combo card or an all-star card or you name it I already had all of those so I was super ahead of the game uh at that point from the outset like okay I've got this gigantic jump start all I need now are the commons to finish it off and that's why I thought man this would be something easy to do like Oh, I need her commons. How hard is it to get? And I come to find out that there were parts of it that I thought would be easy that were not. And the parts that I thought were going to be hard were easy. And so I just want to go through uh, things I learned, all those kinds of things. But I want to first share my screen with you. If you're watching on YouTube, this will be much easier to follow along. If you're listening to it on the podcast, I will do my best to, you know, kind of talk about what i'm showing but what i did was to to make all this happen i'm a big spreadsheet guy I, I love tracking my collection i love the just building a spreadsheet that works for me everybody has their own quirky ways of the way they like to do spreadsheets i i just love them i have a the world's most gigantic spreadsheet for every little part of my collection and some things cross over to other projects you know a 1960 tops Hall of Famer card might also cross over to just a general Hall of Famer run that I'm doing or, or a player run or you name it. And so there's, there's some crossover there, but the re the, the general rule is make a spreadsheet for every part. And so I did for the 60 tops. And so I was able to go to uh, cardboard connection and pull down the checklist. That was step one. You know, how many cards am I looking at? And there's 572 for the 1960 tops. So I pulled down the checklist. I download it, put it into the spreadsheet. And you can also do that on trading card database or I mean, you can get card checklists just about anywhere, Beckett, you name it. There's, It's not hard to find a checklist of a certain set that you want to work on. So I did that. And then I um, started saying, all right, which ones do I have already? And so I had early win is the number one card in the set. He happens to be a Hall of Fame. I had that in a PSA five. So if I had a, I would mark that I have it. I would mark if it was a PSA grade, what it was. And then I also wanted to track the cost. And I also had a section for notes. So I had the card number, the player. These are all the columns in my spreadsheet. Card number, player, have it, don't have it. It's either a one or a zero. If I have it, it's a one. If it's, if I don't have it, it's a zero. The grade, if it's a PSA graded, the cost and the notes. And I only tracked the cost for the cards I needed to acquire because I already had the other ones and I have it down below. I'll, it'll make sense in a second. I do have the cost of all of the PSA slabs because I wanted to see, all right, now that I've got this set complete, what um, was the total cost of this project? Which before I get too heavy into this and going through it, I paid um, or I didn't pay. I finished. I got my last card in for the set on May twelfth. So it took me a total of forty-eight days to complete this set, which is not very long. <laughs> but, you know, it's not very long, and I get that. A lot of people will enjoy the process and all of that. I I happened to find the cards, and so I bought them. And a lot of people are in just different situations where they're really being super picky about the the condition. They're being super picky about centering or you name it, all sorts of stuff. I simply wanted the card. Did I want the nicest one I could find with the best, you know, kind of condition to cost ratio? Yes, of course. But I, if I ended up getting one, it was kind of beat up. I didn't go, oh man, I've got to replace that. Not at all. In fact, I was like, I'm just glad to have it. So I get how there would be different people with different mindsets as they're building sets to be sensitive to different things. Again, I already had all the Hall of Famers graded. So I knew what their condition was. The rest of them are all common. So to me, that was largely irrelevant. But I totally understand if people just want to, and I want to build the highest condition set that I can. Man, good for you. Like, that's awesome. That was not my purpose. I just wanted the cards. And so one of the first deals I did was, uh, let me step back from that, actually. The first thing I did was mention it on the podcast, right? I said, I'm going to build this set. And I put it out there that, hey, if anybody has any 60 tops cards that you want to get rid of, I'm happy to buy them from you. Turns out a lot, several people did. They reached out and they either sent me the cards and I paid for them, or they were super nice and just said, here, we want to donate to the cause so to speak and they would send me the cards which was super generous super nice and i tried to mark those on my spreadsheet under the notes section of who i got it from because uh, that was really nice Uh, i I probably missed some there were so many things coming in from all kinds of places that I, i wish i had taken better notes but i certainly got the cost down for all of them and you'll notice, uh, or on the spreadsheet, I have a lot of them with the same price, $1.21. And the reason I paid $1.21 for a lot of these commons is I ended up buying a, a lot, uh, not a bunch, like a lot, but one lot of 400 and something of the cards of which I had a lot of them. There was actually a Roberto Clemente in there. Uh, an early win, or some other hall, you know, kind of lower tier hall of famers. After that, but a Clemente was in there, and I did this order sight unseen from a guy off Facebook, and I ended up paying a dollar twenty one 21 per card, and it was four hundred and something cards. So it's like, wow, I've I just knocked out a tremendous percentage of this project in one fail swoop, and so I get them in uh, after you know, I just took them all. I didn't even think, well, which numbers do I need? Which numbers do I don't? I just did the deal for the whole thing. And I ended up with a box, a little, this is a little 100 count box that I've got in my hand right now. um, That has essentially all the extra 60 tops cards that came out of that lot. And they came to me and they were beat to hell. I mean, we're talking, every card had creases and corners were terrible. And I mean, (laughs) they were, they'd been well loved. That's probably the best way to put it, the nicest way to put it. And that wasn't the expectation, honestly. I was expecting the cards to be in better shape. Again, I'm not, which is sounds funny. I sound like well, I just said, I don't care about the condition. And here I am bitching about the condition of these cards. But the reality is I, I don't care at the end of the day because I ended up keeping almost all of those for my set build. But I'd still, rat again, I'd rather have cards that didn't have a giant crease down the middle <laughs> or whatever, who wouldn't. And if I had to choose, I wouldn't do that. I, again, these were sight unseen. Honestly, if I had seen them, I probably like and look through them I probably would not have bought them, but the fact is that I did. And so I said, all right, that is what it is. Um, and at the cost per card was pretty reasonable, but it the condition per card was was not. And so that was mildly disappointing. What ended up happening is the, the guy I bought it from ended up giving me part of my money back, and I did, actually didn't even adjust the per card cost for that. Um, cause I used it to buy some other cards and I just didn't put those numbers in here. So kind of the total costs that I have into the set remain the same. I didn't just put that money in my pocket. I used it to buy other 60 tops cards, which are reflected on the spreadsheet. And so I, uh, have these extras that, oh, by the way, I want to give away. So basically I have a, a little starter set here for someone out there that might want to start a 60 top set. One of the cards in here is a Roberto Clemente. Um, They're actually in number order. I don't know what number Clemente is. He's in here. They are beaters, let me put it that way. But if you're that guy that is wanting to start a set and you don't know where to start, I want to try to help you. So I'm going to give these away to someone that you can either write me on Instagram or write a comment here in the uh, YouTube channel, and I will kind of basically draw a name, but tell me why you want to build the 60 top set. And again, this is a hundred ish cards, maybe a little fewer, a little fewer, a few more whatnot, but that could be a good little, you know, injection into your collection. So tell me why you'd want to do that. And I'll draw a name out of that to give these cards to, because I've got the set complete, so I don't need them. And I'd love to help somebody else kind of pay it forward for the generosity that was shown to me. In building the set that I did, so on my spreadsheet here again, I've got every card listed. I go through and I, I got cards from uh, my buddy Mike. I got cards from Will. Um, trying to, uh, Don sent me some cards. All these guys know who they are, and that's awesome. So, and several other guys that I'm not mentioning, not because they're not important. Everybody that contributed cards to this project, I. Truly, truly appreciate it, and there was quite a few. people get maybe thirty or forty of the cards from them. And what's cool is if I got a card from someone else, and then I had a card from this giant lot that I bought. That if the ob- most likely, more than likely, the card that was sent to me is in much better condition. So I used that, and that's what helped contribute to this these extras being so so many. Is I had other people or other places I had bought cards, not realizing. But that's why it's so important to track what you have because. I ended up buying several cards multiple times, not intentionally, but just I hadn't marked it down right or whatever. And I'm pretty anal about this. I can only imagine if people are just doing it kind of, Hey, let's just see what happens, how much money you can end up wasting. Isn't the right word, but certainly, uh, you could probably be a little more efficient if you tracked it a little bit better. And so, uh, I I learned very very quickly quickly to start tracking it. And so I didn't have very many commons in my collection already, although I did have a few four or five actually is all I had. And when I get down to the bottom, I, I, I finished it again. Like I said, on May 12th is when I got the last card. I spent a total of $1,019 and 27 cents on all of the raw cards that I needed that cost per card. Uh, in because it was, uh, Oh, what's I had, there were 59, um, Hall of Famer is already in the set. So that's 513 or whatever it is, um, cost per card, $1 and 99 cents. So I told you I had a goal of trying to keep that around $2 and sure enough, it came, it came in at one ninety nine, And so that was really great to be able to do that. Not that I, I, I thought early on, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this for $2 a card. Uh, but as the numbers start, you know, as I started getting more and more and getting closer and closer, turns out that I could. The total cost of all the slabs that I had already accumulated in my collection was just over $2,000, $2,006 to be exact. So the amount of money I spent on this set totally was $3,025 and 75 Uh, Mm cents. Over again, 48 days total, probably actually less because again, I didn't start buying things until three or four days after kind of the launch of the project. But I, again, I can see why guys might take a long time to build a set versus the way I just did it. And you're either A, really condition sensitive on the cards that you want to add to your set. And there's nothing I totally get that. That's awesome. Or B, your budget just doesn't allow for you. I spent $1,000 on 60 tops cards in a month and a half. And not everybody has that kind of card budget. And believe me, that's not the only stuff I bought for my collection, right? So That was a part of my hobby budget for sure. But I, and I knew that and I kind of, okay, that's what I'm going to kind of give towards this knowing it could be more or less depending on how things shook out. So you might not have the budget to do that. And just might, if your card budget is X dollars and it just might take you longer to accomplish that. And that's okay too. I wasn't intending to do it at warp speed. It just kind of happened that way. It helped that I found this giant lot and then, Again, generous people, and then, so let's talk about some things that I learned because I'm I'm kind of getting into that already unintentionally, and so again, I have my spreadsheet here. Uh, love it, glad I did it. Uh, pretty cool. Okay, so I'm gonna stop sharing that on YouTube and just talk to you guys again. So what did I learn? I learned going into this, I I thought my main area of acquisition was going to be eBay. Turns out I bought few on eBay, relatively speaking. So my advice is if you're gonna build a vintage set is cast a really wide net in terms of where you're gonna acquire these cards. Like look under every rock, look everywhere. Think about all the different places you can buy cards and those become opportunities for you to pick up cards for your set. Whether it be COMC, which I didn't use COMC, but that could be a great place to acquire some cards, Facebook was a huge deal for me because I found a guy, a guy who knew a guy, kind of thing, and he had this giant lot, and that was big. And there's all kinds of different groups and set builders and vintage groups, and you name it on Facebook, where you can do that. You can look on Instagram, you can go to forums like uh, Net Buy Sell Trade, and you might put in there, "Hey, I'm." You could put a thread that says, I'm starting this set and I'm looking for commons, and here's what I'm willing to pay and may even put your checklist, all kinds of stuff on that. Or uh, you could do that on blowout forums. So Beckett forums, again, there's so many different things, places you can do private deals. Guys might email you or they hear you're building this set. You know, you put it out there on Instagram or something and somebody gets back to you and you do a private deal. And then obviously generosity plays into it for me, especially because so many people were incredibly generous in helping me do that. And then the last place that I found to be incredibly valuable for me was Sportlots. Sportlots doesn't get talked to, I don't hear it talked a lot about in the hobby, although most people in the hobby know what Sportlots is. It's a website and you go there and there's just a bunch of dealers selling commons and cards and you don't get to see it. unlike. COMC, where you have pictures of the front and back, and it's a lot more uh, kind of transparent, I guess, in terms of the condition of the card. On sport lots, it's literally just a listing. And so you they list the card and who the dealer is, and they give you a their, their perception of the condition. They might tell you excellent, and then you look at it or you get it and you're like, this isn't excellent. So you have no idea to really confirm or deny what, the condi- what they say the condition is until you've received the card. So there's a little bit of risk, maybe, I guess, is the right word for that. Especially if you're very condition sensitive. I don't know that I'd use sport lots, quite frankly. I wasn't, so I was happy to use it because I found some really good deals on there. And when you're buying on sport lots, I would make sure that, okay, let me find a dealer that, that seems to have a lot of these cards. And then I would buy as many as I could from a certain dealer, if they were all priced reasonably and you know, condition all seemed similar because that allowed me to save on shipping kind of combine everything together. I think I ended up buying from seven or eight different dealers through sport lots, different numbers of cards in terms of some I bought two or three cards from some, I only bought one card from cause they were the only guy that had it or some I would buy 10 cards from. I ended up buying also some on eBay, and and that'll kind of maybe get into in a little bit about the high numbers (laughs) because those pesky high numbers. I will get to that. We'll have a little bit of discussion about that. Again, it was a huge advantage for me to already have all the Hall of Famers slabbed. So I've already talked about that. So here we go. High numbers. Holy crap. I had. I had this perception of what the high numbers series would be like. I really honestly didn't think it would be too troublesome, too problematic for me. The reality was it was a pain in the ass to find not finding them's not bad, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've never heard of this guy and their cards, $20. And it, you know, the, ex, the, the priciness of the uh, high numbers was quite shocking to me actually. And so high numbers on 1960 tops are 507 to 572. So it's the last series, obviously. That's why they're called high numbers. (laughs) And they're usually just not as uh, many of them out there because they're issued typically late in the season and collectors have moved on after a long summer of buying all the other cards. And by the end of the year, football started, school has started again. And, you know, people have very little interest. Oh, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And so high numbers typically are just more scarce, which in turn makes them more pricey, really pricey, actually, relatively speaking. In fact, the the bottom line average, the average cost I paid for the low numbers was $1.45 each average, some more, some less, right? That was the average. The high numbers actually cost me $6.57 a piece for the ones that I needed. So you're talking about four time, four X, the cost of a, of a low numbered common. And so a lot of those, in fact, I don't think I bought any of those off sport lots. What I ended up doing was, again, got a few from people being generous and things, but I ended up buying them pretty much all from Greg Morris Cards on eBay. Greg Morris Cards has been around a long time and they have a, a really good reputation in the hobby. And I found my dealings with them in probably the Oh, seven or eight deals that I, or purchases that I made from them to be great. So Greg Morris does nice scans on his eBay listings. Everything's auction, which I like a lot better than buy it now because typically on buy it now is people overprice their cards. They want the the peak price and I'm going to pay some amount lower than that. And he had these going all the time. Like every couple of days there was it seemed to be all of the 1960 tops cards that I needed went for cheap, or not went for cheap, but were available for auction. And so in various conditions, some of them, and, and it, what I like about Greg Morris and what most people like about him on eBay is that he pretty accurately describes the condition of the card in the listing. So if he says VGEX, it's a VGEX card. You know, if he says, hey, it's it's this grade, but it has a crease in it he he discloses all of that stuff. And again, I don't, as long as I know what I'm getting, I don't mind. Like if I get the card and it has a crease in it, but he told me it has a crease, well then that's on me. Like, no problem. I get it. I, I bought that card with you disclosing there was a crease in it. So good deal. And uh, through several deals, just there would be some, a wave of these cards would come through these high numbers that I needed. And I would Each time I would win some and there would be a group of them that I would not win that would go for more than I put in that I was willing to pay. And it shocked me how much these were going for over and over again. I kept going, good grief, you know, especially on the, what he, when he describes a card as near mint, uh, which I guess would be equivalent grade to a six or a seven. Oh my gosh. The, the prices were just outrageous. And good for them, but I didn't need a near mint. <laughs> I was just like, man, I want to buy a VG card, a VGEX card. And turns out that's what I ended up doing a lot. But you know, guys like Dick Stigman, which what a great name, right? So many, all the names in the 1960 tops set just cracked me up as I'd get in these cards and I see Clay Dalrymple and you know, all these, uh, Stan LaPata, and I'm just looking at my checklist just so many guys that I went, just laughed at their names because it was funny to me. But uh, like Dick Stigman was $9. And this is all the price and cost that I think about is include shipping because that's what I actually paid for it. If it costs $2 plus $3 shipping, then that's a $5 card. If it was $2 plus tax, right? So all of that, I just kind of looked at the all-in cost to acquire the card. And I, and I considered that what surprised me in the high numbers also was the team checklists were super expensive. Uh, I ended up buying the Cubs team checklist. I paid $19 for that. Uh, the I'm just looking through my thing here. The Red Sox checklist. Oh my gosh. That was one of the last ones I got because every time it would come up, which was again, every few days, Greg Morris would be listing one for auction, go for crazy, crazy money. And it got down to where it was one of the last three or four cards that I needed. And I said, screw it. I put in for the one that I ended up ultimately winning, I think I put like $60. I said, I don't care, I'm just gonna, you get to a point with a set or with any project and you get down to your last few and you're like, money be damned, I'm just gonna get it. I just wanna get this over with kind of thing. And so on the Red Sox team card, I put in this crazy bid. I ended up winning it for $15 and 50 cents. So I was happy when I saw the hammer come down on that card and get that done. But like an Ed Rackow was $11. I'm going, who the hell is Ed Rackow? Like some of these people I've never heard of and I'm spending good money. The last card I needed actually was a guy named Walt Bond, who I'd never heard of. It was $8.05. And I completed my set and was so happy. The all-star cards, which are in the final series, also tended to go for a lot of money. I think, uh, in fact, I can tell you, I paid an average for the ones that I needed, a little over 10 bucks per card. Twenty-two dollars for Billy Pierce. Twenty-two dollars for Johnny Antonelli, who happens to be the last card in the set, which is a little bit more probably condition sensitive. Condition sensitive. You got the first card and the last card. You know, rubber bands. You can imagine that those all get beat up pretty good in kids' uh, shoeboxes and stuff through the years. So, um, again, the high numbers really surprised me. Just. I learned you need to take that into account. You better and the guys warned me about that. To, to to their credit, I did get warned about that. I just don't know that I believed it. <laughs> now I'm a, now I'm a believer, of high numbers will get you if you're not careful. So, again, I got some for cheap, but most by and large it cost me a lot more to get the high numbers. <clears throat> Sorry. So now that this project is done, and I'm thinking about okay what did I like about doing it? Well, I will tell you, I enjoyed getting the cards, like finding them and hunting for them. It, it, It was fun. I liked that it didn't take me very long. Honestly, a lot of guys enjoy the journey and they relish the process. I was enjoying, I wanted to see how fast I could do it, quite frankly. And that was the joy for me. Once I've got this big lot and I realized, okay, maybe I can do this way, way quicker than I originally intended and originally thought that I would, that became a driving force for me. Again, unlike a lot of people who want to enjoy that process and savor the savor everything. And I really enjoyed putting them in the binder, which surprised me. Um, I've got the binder uh, right over here. So here's my 1960 tops binder. Uh, it's got all the pages, all the cards. I bought brand new pages for everything. And uh, one of the coolest things that we did for it was, I'll just use the early win as an example. One thing I hate in a binder is gaps, right? I don't like spaces. And so I have, again, 59 of the cards are already slabbed. So, there's going to be 59 gaps in the binders and that just wasn't okay with me. My OCD was having real issues with that. And so what happened was I was talking to my buddy JT and he ended up getting on his computer and he took he has my PSA login. He went in and pulled all the images cuz I have all the images on my set registry of every card that I have slabbed. And he took every image and he took it and he shrunk it kind of distorted it a little bit, but cause it's not the same ratio for the, each picture. And so he took it and made it the same size as a baseball card and he put it on a nice cardboard. He printed it on, not, not as thick as a baseball card, but thick enough uh, stock to card stock so that I he, I, he cut them all out for me and everything cut them out to the perfect dimension. And so I've put, the printout the printing of each of those slabs the actual slab my slab in the binder in the place of the card and so it goes in each slot so i now have a full binder again some of them are represented by these pictures of the slab of the card that i have but i totally love that i absolutely love it i love it even more than i thought i would once i got them all in and so now i have this awesome, beautiful binder of a 1960 top set. Um, And I've I've found myself looking at it quite a bit and going through it and looking at the rookies and reading the backs of the cards and all the cartoons and everything that comes with a 60 top set really uh, enjoyed that process, that part of it. And, you know, you love seeing things get done. I think any of us that are completionists, which if you're a card collector, you're kind of a completionist by nature because you're going to collect something. And again, if you're a collector, you don't think about, I'm not collecting this for the money. You you kind of probably have a little bit of completionist in you. And so I enjoyed completing every page and, oh man, I only need two more for this page and whatnot. And I had these, all these huge gaps at the end of the binder because I was missing so many high numbers and that ended up getting filled in and so much fun to do that. So I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, what I didn't like, I guess, is I really had a hard time. It it bothered me to spend certain amounts of money on players that I literally never heard of, had no idea who they were. And especially on the high numbers, I was spending all this money for these guys that are, you know, not hall of famers and that spending money on a hall of famer I get. Spending money on a common, I didn't understand as well. And I had a hard time with that, coming to grips with that. And I said, Well, if you want the set, that's what you got to do. Like, it is what it is. I've said that a few times today. But the reality of it is, if you want the whole set, this is what they cost. You can choose not to do the set, Mike, right? It's what I told myself, but that's where you're at. And I did feel very pot committed to this once I bought that big lot and I spent whatever it was, $500, $600 on it to get that 400 and something cards. I I felt very pot committed at that point. Like, well, now I'm going to finish it. There's no way I'm just going to spend that kind of money and then just not finish it. That wasn't even on the table, not even a question. So overall I'd say I enjoyed it again. I'm glad I got it done pretty quick that it's not just kind of sitting out there with something else for me to do for it. I love having the completed binder and now I think what's next what's the next thing I want to do? Do I want to build another vintage set? I'm honestly not really sure. <laughs> I, I think the next one I've thought about what the next one would be if I did one and it. I think 65 tops would be super fun because it's a relatively small set. Again, I have most, I don't have all the hall of famers though. That's part of it me in the process of me thinking, well, gosh, I got, if I have to go out and get some of these big hall of famers, but I have all the big names, mantle, maze, Aaron, those things. So Koufax Clemente, I think I could do it pretty easily. And I like the design 65 is one of those years that I didn't really like a whole lot as a kid, not because it's not a cool design. I just wasn't as familiar with it. And over the years, the last decade or so that I've been really focusing on Hall of Famers, I really like the 65 top set. I love the pennant look, you know, and everything about it. It Just really cool to me. So I'm thinking 65 tops. The ultimate goal would be to have every top set from 1951 to now. Like that would be, and I know collectors that do. And I, I think that is awesome. If you have the entire story of cardboard for through tops, since the inception of it, that's the ultimate goal to have every tops card, basically every base tops card that's ever been put out. Yeah. I want to ultimately get there. So slowly and methodically and surely, uh, I'm definitely, if I start a new set, not going to be like, Oh, I'm going to break the record of how quick I did this one and whatnot. But I certainly do. I would tell people to walk away, like try to find big lots, like try to find, cause you get just such a much better deal on a per card basis by buying bulk, buying in bulk essentially. If you're just going to go piecemeal every single card and cherry, you know, go get each card, it's going to take you a really long time. Which again, if that's your goal, then great. But I, I think, man, just buy in bulk, and then the extra, then you have multiple cards to choose from, of which one might be better or worse condition wise that you could add to your set and include in your set. For me, it was just that that made the deal for me when I bought that bulk. I was like, even though the condition wasn't what I expected and whatnot, I still was really happy I did it because I knocked out so much so quickly that it was actually inspiring to keep going and you know, work at it and really look every day and try to find new cards that I needed. So that was really fun actually. So that's what I would try to do again with the 65 top set. If that's what I decided to do, I haven't again ultimately made up my mind yet we shall see so that's kind of the story from this project that i did i really glad i finished it really glad i did it and i learned a lot about myself i I learned some things about the hobby which is at the end of the day really what it's all about right and i got some super cool cards that i added to my collection and i now have a 60 top set that i paid all in told about three grand for, which isn't terrible. Um, Might sound like a lot. It is a lot of money. It doesn't just sound like a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but I feel like I I did well with that. And okay. So next up, let me know what you think down below. First of all, what you thought about this. And again, reminder, send me questions because I really would love to do a pretty extensive Q&A session, uh, you know, talking about things that you guys want to talk about. So please do that. Love it. Again, Instagram is at baseball collector Mike. And on YouTube here, just leave a comment with your question. And just tell me, hey, this is a question for the Q&A or whatever, and let me know. And there we go. So till next time, guys, I really appreciate you watching. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your feedback, your encouragement. I get a lot of emails and things and believe it or not, I read every one of them. I read every comment. I genuinely appreciate you guys and love that you love what I do. So thank you for being encouraging for that. We'll catch you guys soon. Keep collecting.